Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back, guys, for a new episode. Today, I'm talking to Sandrine Charles, who is amazing. She has her own consulting company. She works with all of the coolest streetwear brands, Daily Paper, A-Life. She also works with KNC Beauty. You guys have, I hope, heard the Kristen Noel Crawley episode. She was such a fabulous guest that we had on the show. But Sandrine's work history is amazing. She helped to launch the Kith stores here in New York. If you guys know anything about sneaker culture, you know that Kith is like a mecca. She does PR for sneakers and stuff in New York and LA. And she's really created an amazing company on her own, but after working at agencies and different PR companies, and she kind of takes us through that journey, which is really interesting to hear. And the reason I was so excited to catch up with her is because she created the Black and Fashion Council. She worked with Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, who's the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue, to create this. And it's all about elevating Black voices, creatives, designers in the fashion and beauty industry. And they really do want to create sustainable change. I'm going to read to you their mission because it's so wonderfully succinct and clear. The mission is to represent and secure the advancement of Black individuals in the fashion and beauty industry. We envision workforces where Black people are represented and amplified at every level, holding jobs in both C-suite and junior level positions, and can work alongside allies to create diverse spaces that directly reflect what the world actually looks like at large. To be clear, we want to encourage people in the industry to rise to the occasion, not just be called out so that we can see sustained long-term change. Now, I love this because cancel culture is a very real thing. And it's very easy to get upset when you see these brands do the wrong thing. But I love that they're saying, let's not just get upset and cancel the brand. Let's hold them accountable and create change. And they've partnered with so many amazing companies. I'll just name a few. Birchbox, CAA, Calvin Klein, Cartier, Condé Nast, Everlane, Gap, Glossier, L'Oreal, Intermix, Tiffany & Co., The Real Real, Tommy Hilfiger. So Sandrine is out here doing the work, but she's also just so wonderfully down to earth and fun to talk to. I hope you guys enjoy getting to know her on this episode. All right, let's dive in. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I will call, you would say, baby. 
today is all about Sandrine Charles. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I am so excited to have you on. I feel like I have known about your work for years, truly, like for years um, in the industry. But I feel like I really first started reading about you when you struck out on your own and started your own consulting and PR company. And you've, you've just been doing such incredible work in the fashion industry. Now you have Black in Fashion, which we're going to talk about. Um, yeah. it's just welcome. Thank you. It's been a whirlwind since leaving uh, quote unquote corporate America, but really agencies and you know, betting on myself and seeing what, you know, I can apply my talents to. And today we're moving into our new office for the next five years, which is exciting. And I can't wait to see what transpires from here. Yeah. Do you feel, is it one of those things that, so I'm corporate, I've been corporate my whole career. So one of those things that once you switch, it's impossible to go back. I mean, I'm very comfortable with working for myself. It's been great because two agencies before I struck out on my own, I was given the men's department. So I was a director of men's. They gave me my own floor. I was doing my own new business. I was given my own assistant. So it gave me the template that I have now, except instead of just running an apartment, I'm running my company. I do have a head of finance who I've known for years uh, who does all the back end, but for the most part, it's myself and my team. And it's great. It's fine. I really do get a kick out of uh, being independent and working for myself. You have beautiful braids in. And I just got my hair braided last weekend. And it felt so good to have someone else do my hair. Right? Isn't it like the best feeling? I've been doing quarantine braids and documenting them on Instagram. And for me... I can get them in. They're just not as great. So I had to go to my go-to girl in Harlem who got me together. I feel amazing. (laughs) I can't wait to keep these in for like two months because she does such a great job. I know. It's amazing the things that we take for granted and just like how nice it feels to just be in a professional sans, just to sit in a chair and know that it's going to be done exactly the way you want it. Yes. Yes. Best feeling. too, which means oh, let me see how out. long they are. They are about waist length or longer. Oh my god, love! And I love it because I can be super creative and flexible with them and play with them. Uh, I think when I do my personal long braids, I'm like, will one fall out? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> who knows? Amazing, but I love it. you experiment with your hair a lot. Like I feel like I yeah. see you with like big hair. Like I've seen you with so many different hairstyles, which I love. Yeah. Do you just like to change it up? Yeah, lately I have. I feel like over the past couple of years, I got a little bit more comfortable um, at my agencies being senior that I felt like I can play a little bit more with my hair and it wouldn't be the first thing that people thought of like, oh, your hair is like this. Because I had such a senior status, uh, I wasn't like this before. In high school, I was a dancer. I was on the crew team. I played tennis. So I always kept like brandy micro braids because I just couldn't do anything else. And wait, where did you grow up? Because I know you went to St. John's for college here in New York, but where did you grow up? I grew up in Rockland County. So next door to Westchester, super suburban. I like to say my high school reminded me of Clueless because it was like a campus high school. It was massive and it encompassed two different towns. So I was like, oh, if I'm going to be involved in all of these things, I just need my hair 
to be one thing. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't going to do blowouts. I didn't want to get perms anymore. So this was the alternative. Yeah, I definitely rocked micro braids for a lot of high school as well. And it's, I was an athlete. I was on the yeah. team, I was on the track team. Like no one had time, their hair. No one. And it, it saved my life up until sophomore year of college where I finally straightened it again. And though I loved my hair straight for like a year before I started putting weaves back in, I was more so, so annoyed that I permed it. I wish I never permed it. Uh, so that it could just be like, like a blowout uh, situation. But it worked out in the end. We never ever had to chemically straighten our hair. It's like a lesson that you learn as you get older. Never again. I could straighten. I did right. my own a silk press one time. I texted my friend Chanel like, look, I did my hair during quarantine. And then two days into my Nike running challenge, I was like, this was a bad idea. Never again. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I doing this challenge? So you just mentioned your Nike running club. Being the busy entrepreneur that you are, and right now you have like a little bit of a break from like the dinners and the events and all of the stuff that you do outside of your regular work. But how do you also yeah. find the time and motivation to work out? Like I am so impressed by people I, that just do it. I want to be so I, like, and I, I don't want to say this because I know that we're all self-conscious about different things. Um, but for me, a couple of years ago, I was boxing seven days a week. My friend Juan told me about this boxing gym and he was gathering all of our friends. And I started going a couple of times a week. Then I signed up for private. There's a picture that I posted, a, a picture like real that I posted during quarantine of how like I was so cut and so... Like I've always been muscular, but I was cut. And he was like, wow, in my adult life, where has that been? So um, I took advantage of quarantine. I was added into this Nike run challenge. I live off of Central Park. So I was like, I was just like, there is an opportunity here for me to um, get back into it. And I felt really great. I'm actually kind of jealous because Janelle Hickman bought a tennis racket and some balls. And I'm like, my tennis courts are not open yet. I can't even play by my house, but I love playing tennis and I want to do it more often. So while you know we're in partial quarantine and our office is open, but it's not full team in office, um, I want to do as much as I can. I'm writing a city bike home today. Oh my gosh. Right so is it just that you love the way that your body feels when you're active? So you just force yourself to do it? Like, How do you get motivated to do it when you're so busy? I need a stress reliever. Okay. Uh, like today, after the day I've had, I, there's nothing that I want to do than get on a city bike and ride home and clear my head because I've had such a stressful day. And, and most days, it's not necessarily stressful. It's more so just busy. So I'm very thankful that it's busy. I have great support, but also I need some me time. So if I don't get in the morning... I want to work out after work. And it's funny because my clients are so understanding. I'll do like my client calls and I'm like walking to the park and I'm like, after I get off this call, I'm going to go running. So I'll talk to you later. Like, okay. Well, now I'm sure you are busier than ever. You've just launched the Black in Fashion Council. Um, yeah. Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. Let's talk about this because one, one of the things that I love about this initiative is it's kind of going beyond cancel culture and holding brands accountable. What was the catalyst for you to create this? 
Lindsay and I actually spoke about what was going on on the internet early on. We were like, okay, we're seeing what's being posted. We were both saddened by you know, what happened by George Floyd and, and everyone. The world having visibility into this murder was also gut-wrenching. And so you know, as a follow-up, there were a lot of things that transpired we saw a lot of people uh, posting different stories. And, you know, I was heartbroken because one in particular, like, struck my heart for is I'm like, I don't know this editor. He doesn't answer my emails. But he unveiled on Twitter that he was having such a hard time at his job. And being that he was junior to both of us, you know... Was he was like, a oh Black editor? Yeah. I was like, how, can, how did we miss this? How did everyone miss this? Why weren't we able to support him? And, um, you know, we went back and forth on like our experiences and being friends for, you know, eight years. Plus, it was easy for us to just, you know, talk. And I was also in her story for New York Magazine. Um, So she understood like my background. And I was like, I wish that somebody was there for him so that he didn't need to put it on the Internet, and that he had a safety net or a network to bounce all these issues. So what were the kind of things that he was saying he was going through? He was just like, he wasn't able to write things that he wanted to write about. He didn't mm-hmm. feel like he had the support of his team. I was just like, well, how do you answer? You know, in, a, in my first, you know, first thought was, how do you answer somebody's email? Somebody would have been able to, you know, <laughs> be your ally. But sometimes you don't know. Mm-hmm. I have a very French name. If you don't have Instagram or you're not checking for Instagram or checking for me, you would think I was a white French female because it's a very prominent French name. Um, and then you're like, oh, it's this, okay, it's a black girl, it's a Caribbean girl. Um, I, I might be able to like vibe with her. I don't fault him. I just felt really bad because I think we've all had instances where we wish there was somebody we could talk to before we made decisions. Yes. And that prompted me to like reconnect with my thoughts and what I wanted to see and the same with her and we gathered, you know, some of our friends, peers in the industry and stakeholders to to talk about like what we were thinking of. And, and through that call, the ideation of Black and Fashion Council um, happened. And we're so excited. Like we announced last week. You got great press. I mean, I know yeah. that's your specialty, but you were <laughs> covered everywhere. It was like WWD, Business of Fashion, Vogue. Yeah. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few, but... It was exciting. I mean, we got some business press too, because... As, as great as it is to be featured in, in fashion publications, this is also business. Lindsay and I own 50% of the business together. We are business partners. So what most people don't know, it's, it's not just an Instagram. We're, right. we're fully operating this as a business. We have the executive board as support, which is about 35 to 40 industry um, stakeholders, as well as our peers throughout every category. And then we also have advisors who are just pillars in the community that we look to for not only direction, but support as we're navigating through what might have been, you know, an idea or a a group previous to our uh, senior experience and and going through um, what we are with better direction. Yeah. And I love, I saw some of the names that were associated from the beauty category. And I saw Sharon from Uomo Beauty. Uh, She started the pull up for change challenge, basically challenging these beauty brands to release their diversity numbers. Like, tell us how many black women work at the company, not just your shade range, um, which had the whole beauty industry a little bit shook. But I want to ask you something because you are such a fashion girl. You've been in the fashion industry pretty much your whole career. 
I feel like having worked in fashion, but also now just being so deep into beauty, I feel like beauty is a little bit further along than the fashion industry is. I think that there's a little bit more diversity. And though, you know, I launched Orbe's HTC collection last year, which is the natural hair collection. Love that. It's so good. I still use it. My friend Caitlin's in marketing and she's like, this would be, you know, we'd love to work with you on this. And I was super excited. And it gave me more intel in a while um, on what's going on in beauty. And I think it depends case by case and company uh, by company to see what's really going on. I really admire Sharon and I'm so glad that she brought this to the table. And if you notice, she still has her initiative, but she's on the board here. Mm -hmm. We're collaborative collective. We're not saying it's us versus you. We're saying it's all of us together. Right. So yeah, I was very surprised to see the transparency and the larger group of women in beauty, like my friend Kristen, um, she's doing amazing things in beauty. She's um, a VP at uh, Dark and Lovely. I admire her. Her team is extremely diverse. And feeling like there might be more of a head start there is fine, um, which is why we want to encompass everyone. There's something Sharon can teach us. There's something Julie can teach us, you know, coming from Essence to Cosmo. You know, where are we not thinking outside of our normal natural wheelhouse? And it's really refreshing. I think that it's going to be a super educational experience across the board that we haven't really tapped into as an industry in a very long time. And, and you know, in a way, we thank quarantine for giving us this opportunity to dial back and reconnect with our peers and not just like, hey, let's have a drink, but more so like, hey, let's have a very in-depth conversation about things that we are taking seriously in our current state of the industry. Yes. I want to get into your beauty routine because your skin is just impeccable. But before we do that, I actually want to go back to something you said around a support network. One of the things I just actually um, interviewed Naomi from Vogue. Naomi. Yeah. And we were talking about how amongst Black editors and Black people in fashion and beauty, there's like a camaraderie. And you were reading this editor on Twitter who felt like he didn't have that community. He felt like he was alone. And you were like, hey, like we could have been there for you. Um, But Naomi also talked about it being like a little bit intimidating. There is like a kind of like it click group of Black people in fashion. Oh, then I'm not in it because I'm not not in any clicks per se. I have like my core group of friends. Everyone knows the spicy mommies. Everyone knows who we are. Uh, And so we kind of stick together, but it's not just for work. We're friends outside of work. You know, we're integrated in each other's families, et cetera. So I think that fashion brought us together, but friendship kept us together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And though there are, you know, there's a variety of cliques in the industry, obviously, you find where you settle in. Like I think of Naomi as a little sister. We're both Haitian. We have that connection. I will look out for her a thousand percent because we also just have a general rapport. I know that growing up in the industry, I didn't feel like, you know, at times I could find a black mentor. Yes. I didn't feel like I had like who I wanted it to be, you know, fell short. Um, so, you know, your expectations of, of people sometimes are not what the reality is. And I remember while working under Rushcom and working at like Global Grind and helping out with a couple of other of his initiatives. Russell like, Simmons company. Yeah. yeah. He was just like, you know, you never want to meet your idols. 
And I didn't really understand it until, you know, I mean, every day there would be somebody coming into the office and, you know, like who, like who, who came in? I mean, oh my God, it was so long ago. Denise Vossi came in and we have been friends ever since, which is great because it's so random. (laughs) She was just popping in and now, you know, I know her husband and her kids and like, that's something, that's a relationship that has grown over time into a friendship. We had rappers come in. I remember Chief Keith was one of the first people that I met. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? But there were tons of other people from Monica to, I'm just trying to think of like, who's top of mind to like different models. And, you know, the interns would get very excited and people working there would get excited. And, you know, your perception of what people are supposed to be is not necessarily what it is. And it's no fault of either person on either side of the coin. It's just that we need to just be more realistic in in terms of what we see in people. I mean, I talked to someone that I'm now friends with and they're like, when I first met you, you were on your phone at an event. And I said, what? (laughs) Like, yeah, you were just like, hi, and went back on your phone. And I was like, what time was the event? And they were like, seven. I was like, oh my God, I was literally still working. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know until you told me, you know, and I apologize because I didn't realize I offended you by not being more interactive in a larger group conversation because I'm also working and keeping my lights on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your first hand experience with someone might not be what you expected, but you also need to give them grace because you don't know what the other person is going through. So I always say to... Are you into this idea of... So I, you know how there's like the black nod, like when you're in a majority white space and you see a yeah. black person, it's just kind of expected, like you acknowledge each other. Yeah. I think it took me a while to feel comfortable doing that. Like I think back to early days working in fashion and not seeing a lot of other black people. If I did see a black person, I don't know that I immediately acknowledged them and said hello because I figured, you know, why would they want to talk to me? But now that I'm, you know, 30 years old and I've been working for a while, if I see another black person, especially working in tech, it's like an inst- like, instant smile. <laughs> instant smile, instant smile. But do you think it takes, like when you were working in corporate and coming up, did you feel like you had that camaraderie like immediately? I don't think immediately. I'm also like very suburban. And I was like, even at Rush, it's like a more of a hip hop community or like I was an anomaly at agencies. I think the greatest thing is when I was at this agency, which I won't give any breath to, I had an account executive who was a young black male who still, I, I consider him my little brother. He considers me, me his mentor. We talk all the time. Um, and I was so happy to have that because I'm like, because oh, when things get rough, you want someone to just be like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> right. I get it. Yeah. And then I got an intern who turned into my assistant um, who was a black female. And I was excited because you know I was so used to, especially in the fashion spaces, being by myself, especially for my department. Not necessarily throughout the whole company, but in my department. So it really made me feel good to have someone there that might acknowledge, you know, any microaggressions or any comments. And, and then I can go, yeah, I know I wasn't crazy. Yes. Um, and I love our relationship to date. I'm a thousand percent a champion of his career. He is definitely someone that I feel like I have helped to grow and I will continue to be there for him. So in those instances, I get really excited to see another Black person. Yeah. And that's also a reason why my team is diverse. I want there to be an opportunity for anyone if you know, you know, you can do the job. But giving opportunity and allowing people to work up the ladder because 
you know, in reality, we all work, but we're not going to be working till we're 60, 70 doing the same thing. You want to pass the baton and ensure that like you have at least shaped someone in some way to elevate their career. For people listening, what's a good way to approach someone that you want to mentor you? Because I'm sure there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. Don't ask to pick their brain. I, (laughs) I, sometimes if I have time, I'll reply back and say, please don't say you want to pick my brain because I'm a communications consultant. That's my means of living. This is Um, what I need to check in order to do. Sure, cut it it now. Um, However, if they're like, hey, I respect someone that's like, hey, listen, we don't know each other, but I want to take you to coffee. And I mean, not now, not in this climate, but previously, like, I want to take you to coffee or can I stop by your office? If you have 15 minutes, I want to chat with you. I'm always down for that. And Sharifa Murdoch definitely set the tone for why I should do it. Because she's like, you know, always take meetings with people, always get to know people. And I do so. And I think if you are a little bit more authentic, you might not know. Like sometimes I get resumes for internships and they're terrible. But then I'm like, who taught you how to do resume? They're like, no one. Yeah. So there you go. So it might be an incredible person just with no experience. And so I try to to dig into the diamond in the rough and ex, you know have those conversations with people who might not be as polished on paper or in person and give them feedback if anything. That's amazing that you do that. Yeah. All right. So let's get into your beauty routine. You mentioned being Haitian. Is there anything that you've learned from like your parents or Haitian culture that plays a large role in your approach to beauty now? No. No. Uh, I just I, no my castor oil. No, my mom just like had a really great beauty routine. She was like an Avon Mary Kay kind of lady. She works in medicine. So she was just like, she had her routine before work and at night and she doesn't wear a lot of makeup. Um, I just got comfortable not wearing a lot of makeup. I mean, you could see I have bags, but that's because I haven't slept because I was moving today. But outside of that, I use Cetaphil, Love um, Cetaphil. Love Cetaphil. Good things about Cetaphil. What my, do you use their their um, hydrating cleanser? What's your my go to is like the day to day cleanser. I use the eczema. I have eczema, but you couldn't tell because um, I use that cream. I use, I'm like an over the counter girl for like my astringent, so clean and clear. Um, sometimes I will use like the oil cleanser from Neutrogena. I like to mix it up. I love Peter Thomas Roth. I do the aloe. Anytime I've been in the sun too much, I do that mask. I use Menos Moss. My friend Anya owns yeah, that. Santana. She's, she's been on the podcast twice. twice. We love Anya. Yes. I love also the scrub. Um, I use it in like my bath. So I use an, uh, a regular oil for my skin. Then I use lotion on top of that usually a vino, but then I love her scrub to integrate into my bath routine. So I just try to keep my skin clear. I try to avoid using makeup if I don't need to. I'd love to get to that point. I feel like because I like putting on makeup, it's become like a habit. So I'm just like, oh, you know, you get, you get used to seeing your face with makeup and then you don't see it with makeup and you feel like, oh, like I don't look the way I normally do. How long did it take you to adjust? Quarantine. <laughs> yeah. I, usually before when I would have no makeup on, I'd be like, oh, I look terrible. Like, oh my God, I have to do... Me-. I used to apologize going to meetings with no makeup on. Really? And now I'm on Zoom calls like, good morning. 
this is me. <laughs> Here we are. It's and so it's, in our heads too. I think it's very much in our heads. We get used to seeing ourselves a certain way. Same. We also have extremely white teeth. Uh, yeah. People tell you this. You're like, yeah, yeah. I know. Everyone tells me. <laughs> I used to be so afraid of um, my teeth falling out. Not because anyone said anything, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, if I don't brush my teeth, my teeth will fall out. I haven't whitened my teeth in a year, but I brush my teeth. I floss all the time. I'm a thousand percent in that wheelhouse of, I just have bad dreams that your teeth will fall out. <laughs> Wait, so, so you just take extra great care of your teeth. Are you an electric toothbrush girl? Yes. My okay. friend actually sent me... Apple Beauty, which I was new to, and she works with them, the electric toothbrush and the entire kit. And I've been using that toothbrush probably for like a month. And it is amazing. I'm just like sitting there brushing my teeth, listening to music. And I had a Sonic before, but this one has different levels. As you click it, I feel like I'm transitioning uh, for different parts of my mouth. And everyone always says, your teeth are so white. And I'm like, I will never whiten my teeth again. You just take good care of them. But you know what? Once you go to an electric toothbrush, like sometimes I'll be traveling and I don't have my electric toothbrush and I'm like, I can't handle this non-electric situation. No, it has changed my entire routine. I absolutely do not want to do anything else uh, but use my electric toothbrush. So it will come to the Hamptons this weekend. (laughs) Oh, nice, nice. Any special toothpaste that you use? My mom sent me this toothpaste uh, that she got uh, from Asia, which is, it's great. Like I used it, but I wasn't really using it like Crest and Colgate. I am, I always buy the whitening toothpaste from Crest and Colgate. Maybe that's why they're so white, but I never believe that that works better than like a whitening tray or, you know, going to the dentist. But I brush two to three times a day. I have um, principal toothpaste, the charcoal set at the office. So after lunch or after meetings, I will brush my teeth here and I have floss. And do you avoid like red wine and coffee? No, I do both. (laughs) Very terribly. I drink a lot of black coffee, no sugar, no cream. I drink, I've drank so much red wine over quarantine uh, that I'm shocked. I don't have like (laughs) stains throughout all my teeth. I I can go through those bottles very quickly. (laughs) Well, I also want to talk to you about the streetwear aesthetic because I have been trying to be like a cool girl that wears sneakers. Like I'm I'm kind of there. I have two friends that I always go to for sneaker advice. I ask my friend Rachel, who always, she just has like very cool style. Um, and my friend Abigail, who worked at Nike, I'll be like, should I buy these sneakers? And like nine times out of 10, they're like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they look cool. And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, my eye isn't there when it comes to like the good streetwear and good sneakers. And I feel like you are always giving advice on like the best, like every day, go to like fashion sneaker, like where should we be looking to find like good, cool sneakers? And how do you like, what are the baby steps? Like for a girl who's going from ballet flats into the sneaker world, like where do we start? That's me. I was, oh my God, I was fully like, I mean, going from high school to college, I was heels, dresses a skirt kind of girl. Um, I still am to an extent, but I don't feel like it's appropriate always for me to wear like a dress for a meeting because it's like, oh, everybody else is in sweatpants. What am I doing? But then there are times I wear dresses with sneakers or I wear like, I wear a lot of bodysuits and wide leg pants. And so I can wear 
various sneakers depending on what's going on. And I just found my flow into it. Um, I also was working with clients that required me to be a little bit more knowledgeable around that industry. So early on in my career, I was at Haddad Brands and I was like, okay, I need to do social for this. We're talking about a marketing plan for that. Like I need to be more well-versed and, and coming from like a more debutante-esque background <laughs> growing up. I was like, I always liked sneakers. I was just never like a sneakerhead. And I, I to this day don't consider my... There are so many people that are better um, at sneaker knowledge. I definitely promote sneakers. I think I do a very good job at doing it. I think I do an excellent job at putting it on the right people and hosting events. But I wouldn't say I'm like the number one sneaker girl. I'm like, oh, have you met Liz B. Crop? Have you met my friend? She's great. Have you seen her sneaker collection or Wendy Lamb? Or, you know, I can go on for days on different women that I admire that have a better sneaker collection than me. I think I, um, I love the perks and I love my sneakers. Um, and I definitely have integrated it into my style and found my own. Um, like today I'm wearing overalls for my client Flan and they have this summer release of tie-dye overalls. So I'm going to put my sneakers in the frame so you can see it. I don't know if it's going to work. Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Incredible. They're like Nike, so, those Nike dunks. Dunks. Yeah. I'm more so able to integrate my sneakers into my everyday collection. Like that's my style. Keep it super easy. Tomorrow I'll probably be in bike shorts and a t-shirt because it's hot outside. But then when I get dressed up, I'm like, I'm on that porter. A tibia yes. is my go-to. Love I am tibby. like, that's kind of my aesthetic. So I found, you know, my flow. I'm sure someone who knew me 10 years ago was like, she was always in dresses and heels and stuff like that. But I feel like it's being in a dress. Like I don't feel cool. Like there's the girls that I like look at on the street and the girls that I feel like, wow, they look so cool. Whether I'm like scrolling my timeline, like they're the ones that are in more oversized clothing, like sneakers. Like there's just like um, a way that you carry yourself in a casualness that I just feel like is so aspirational these days, which is why everyone wants streetwear, right? That's like the number one thing. But help me out a little bit more on the sneaker thing, like Nikes, Vans, Adidas. Obviously, you work with all of them, so no favorites, but like where to start? I wear Nikes primarily uh, and Jordans. Um, So I like the comfort of like an AF1. I like Dunks. Hold on, hold on. AF1. I just have to look this up as you're you're talking So I can get a visual Air, Air Force Ones. <laughs> oh, Air Force Ones. I know yeah. what those are. I know what those are. I'm not that. I have one pair of Air Force Ones, but then they got really dirty. And yeah. I was like, I feel like white Converse can be dirty and that's fine. But like Air Forces, like, should they be dingy looking? I feel like. No, they shouldn't be dirty. But I think that, you know, you have so many different options um, to choose from in terms of colorways. I like a white colorway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I know that people are very much like black air forces. No, but like, I like a white fresh pair of yes. sneakers. I yes. like to keep them clean. Otherwise I have a variety of colorful ones. I like to match my sneakers with um, whatever my outfit is. So I wear sneakers all the time. And even like today I moved, I couldn't wear my Crocs. So I'm in sneakers. I could easily hop on a city bike a block away and ride home. Yes. Okay. So Air Force Ones, you'd say that's like a good starting sneaker for someone getting into sneaker culture. 90% of my sneaker client closet is Nike. Like my sneaker closet, which I need to kind of clean out a bit. 
because I feel like over quarantine, I got more sneakers. And now when you walk into my apartment, there's like a couple of sneakers by the door. Then there are a couple by my bar. And then you go into my sneaker closet in my room and it's five shelves of sneakers. So I need to organize that a little better. But comfort is key. I think that I like to keep the aesthetic very clean. So if I can go from day to night meetings to like just working comfortably, that's my MO. Got it. Well, on this show, we also talk about beauty mistakes that we've made in our lives and how we've learned from them. Are there any beauty mistakes that you've made just growing up, or it could have been like a beauty mistake last month, it, doesn't, it can be recent, that you feel like you've learned from and you want to share with the audience so they can learn too? I used to think that I looked good in like a certain point in college, just like after I crossed and I was like wearing makeup. I was like, oh my God, you look nuts. Like, you have so much blush on. <laughs> Why do you look like that? Or like heavy on like eyeshadow and I thought I looked so good. And you know, now looking back at photos and printing photos and making albums, I'm like, I looked ridiculous. Um, too much makeup. Too much blush, too much eyeshadow. And I don't wear like bright lips or anything, but I was like, Jesus, what is on your cheek? And so <laughs> uh, I learned to tone it down. I feel like my makeup is way more streamlined now. I'm a Laura Mercier girl when it comes to like, baking and just like Anastasia for my brows. And I found what works for me, but I wish I knew 10 to 13 years ago. It takes time. Uh, Oh, so that's ridiculous. (laughs) Any other beauty mistakes you made along the way? I try to keep a clean palette. So I don't think that there, I wish I'd washed my face more in my mid twenties. I was definitely going everywhere. And then like, then like after a day of work, not really washing my face and putting makeup on. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like, Um, I'm like putting my face on the screen. I don't think I have blemishes, but I think that back then I, I, you know, one or two come up and you're like, Ooh, what's going on? And it was primarily because I wasn't cleaning my face before putting makeup on, but also in a rush throughout the day of working. Now I have a client event and I need to put some makeup on. And then I go home hours later and wash the whole day off. That was definitely a no, no. I got, I really wish Maybe while we're here, I can tell you who it was. But I ordered these face sheets from it's Black Owned Business. Janelle told me about it. Or I think it's Napier. I don't or want Napier them. Beauty. Yes, and I got them, and I'm so excited to use them. Primarily because I think face sheets are, um, or face wipes rather, are very easy for me to put in my handbag, go from meeting to meeting, feel clean, and I know now we're all more conscious of washing our hands more. Uh, the same is for my face. If I'm going to wash my hands. I talk with my hands. I want to touch my face. Yeah. Um, and if I do, I want to easily wipe it off and then put some moisturizer on and go about my day. So yes. that's a huge lesson learned. Do you have any sunscreen faves? I need to wear a lot of sunscreen. My skin... Though everyone's like, oh, you must be great in the sun. You're already chocolate. Like, uh, no, what? I went Why to see people so ignorant. I just don't understand. I'm like, what? I literally, if I get in the sun for too long, my skin will burn and then peel. And I, one time in Anguilla, got a third degree burn in my back from the sun. Oh I had God. SPF 75. I was doing fine. And uh, regardless, like my skin, is that crazy because I'm Caribbean? Is not ready for the sun all day, and I can't lay out like a lot of people. I mean, it'll be an even complexion, but something will get burned, and then I'm stuck with that for at least a week. So, have you found sunscreens that work for you? 
No, if you have any recommendations, I'm extremely, I do need to go back to uh, my dermatologist, Dr. Charles, and get some more feedback, but uh, I need something, something that will allow me to stay out a little longer. Since you're an over-the-counter girl, the CeraVe AM with SPF is really good. Uh, Super Goop Unseen Sunscreen is amazing, and Black Girl Sunscreen is amazing. So typing this all down because uh, I use multiple sunscreens when nothing has stuck. So tell me for Black and Fashion, the Black and Fashion Council, where where do you want to ultimately see things go? What do you want to ultimately change? And I mean, there's so much change needs to happen. But what yeah. are you what are you really pushing towards? I think Lindsay and I aspire to create a long-term plan that elevates equality in various companies and brands. Like for us, it's, you know, in our tenure, will we see change and how can we help to sustain that change? So we've had over a dozen calls and tomorrow we're back to call. Today is my day off on the email. But um, I think we're really excited to partner with as many brands and companies as we can and help guide them through this equality index and see what happens, see how many more people are, are viable for opportunities, not because of diversity, just because someone's being conscious to include someone. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that one diversity hire. Right. And then everyone holds that against you. It, it right. would be more refreshing to know you got the job because you qualify and people are also being cognizant on what their team looks like. And then also what products they're projecting, what brands are these companies pushing? And it, it shouldn't be that, oh my God, now we're talking to a Black audience. We need to hire a Black girl. It should be, we have a Black girl. We have a Black guy on the team. We have an Asian girl or guy, Indian girl, guy, same thing, trans, etc. We want to ensure that this is a larger conversation of equality. And why not be um, integrated into these conversations and pillars of change if yeah. we can? And I assume you follow Diet Prada. I, I check in on Diet Prada. Okay. I, check in. I don't, I follow not as many people. Like I follow you and I see you come up, but there are people that I follow that I never see on my feed. Right. And then that I know happens. they're posting. It's so <laughs> crazy sometimes. Well, uh, they posted Zimmerman's in-store guide leaked. Did you see that where they basically had the guide for how their in-store staff should look? And it was like hair must be in like loose curls or straight, uh, no top knots or braids. And then they had this ridiculous makeup guide and you saw just all of these just white European women. I think they maybe had like one Asian girl on the deck. And you see things like this in the fashion industry, which are obviously so anti-Black, so racist. But every time I see something like that, I'm like, you clearly had no one Black around in the room. Like it had to pass so many levels for this to be circular. And it's like, because there were no Black people anywhere to say this is crazy. Like, I feel like that's just like, so much of the core of the issues, these things that you see on the runway that make you cringe and statements that are made and you just think like, oh, like there just weren't black people around. There weren't. I mean, they were a client of mine. And I oh, mean, really? upon, okay. <laughs> upon meeting them, um, I didn't think they liked me either. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, and there was no one in the room that looked like me. There was no one on our approved influencer list that looked like me either mm. or some of my team members. And at that time, we had a very diverse team of women. Um, and my VP was a male. And, and you know, I think that some, some companies have been stuck in this way of thinking that no matter what goes on around them, it has to be up to them to make the change. Otherwise, 
they're going to go through their hamster wheel, do what they like and feel comfortable with. But um, if they want to change, you know, we're also happy to talk to them and kind of guide them out of what they thought was the norm and um, see what happens next. I would love to see more diversity with them. They have great items. We got great placement while I was there. Shiona pulled and got it on uh, Beyonce for a video. We were very excited. But then, you know, I my you know my seating or like my my list to to send product to is very limited to mm. so you know we can always hope that there is an extended conversation here on the yeah. horizon yeah i have a feeling a lot more clients will be coming your way to be better which is good which is what we want yeah 100% i think that I, and I wrote something, I wrote an opt-ed for Harper's and like my first opening line was, I never got the jobs I thought were meant for me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't to say that I'm not thankful for my experience, but coming into fashion, I was, I need to be at a big agency and I need to work my way up here and then go to another big agency and another, you know, but I think having some on the ground experience has definitely transformed the way I approach things, which has shifted the way um, I work. So, you know, if that Intel helps a larger company, then, you know, I'm happy to do so. Great. That's great. I'm so happy that you are here and doing the work that you're doing. It just like makes me feel better (laughs) knowing you're out in the world and guiding these companies. Final question for you. When do you feel most beautiful? Oh my God. I feel most beautiful when I feel 100% myself. Like today... I think maybe someone else would say I look nuts, but I feel pretty. I feel refreshed. I feel like, well, I mean, beautiful. Thank you. I feel like, oh, there's like the weight is off my shoulder. I'm going to go get a nice little sweat on my bike and just get my cardio. And I feel great about myself. Um, So for me, it's depending on what's going on and how I start my day. If I start my day frazzled, I, I definitely will look gross to myself. Another thing to, you know, get better at, like not judging yourself so much, like knowing that, you know, you are who you are and you can uh, try to improve wherever you can, but give yourself grace. Yes. Yes. Giving yourself grace, I think has been such an important lesson um, over these past few months for me. So I love to hear you say that. Yeah. Same. It's, it's hard. I'm so happy that we were able to finally sit down and have a conversation and I will link to where all my listeners can find you. Perfect. Uh, all good. Uh, on the set. <laughs> that was my iCal going off. I was like, I turned everything off. I just started this computer today. No. Um, but I can't wait to see you before I fully move out, Brooke, and hopefully have you by the office soon. And if yes. I need to see your photo of joy come to the world. Oh my gosh. I know. So crazy. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, 
Solon logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I want to thank Sandrine for coming in and for sharing her story with us. I love people who are part of creating the change that they want to see in the industry. Complaining is definitely the easy thing to do. So I hope you guys were inspired by her story. And I hope that wherever you work, whatever industry you're in, whatever community you're part of, you feel empowered to kind of have these conversations and create change. I will be back next week with a new episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.